0: One, welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. Um, Your host, Stephen Pinecker, and I want to introduce a very special guest, uh, Gerardo Simano uh, from Mormon Stories. Uh, Welcome to the program.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Steve.
0: So uh, I got in touch with John DeLynn a few weeks ago, emailed him actually the Saturday before the Thrive Conference, and I had asked him a question about something, and then I also said, by the way, I'd like to get Geraldo's uh, email address, because I'd like to have him come on program, so that day or the next morning, uh, that Saturday, he sent me an email and gave me that information, so that thought that was really cool, because, you know, he's planning for Thrive, and he made the time, so thanks, John, for taking the time to send me that email, um, and I really thought, you know, I really like Geraldo. I've watched you as a co host, you know, occasional co host uh, with Mormon Stories. You are part of a real, you play a very important role of the look and the feel and the aesthetic of the program, um, but also you're a great contributor to the show. So I thought, let's get Geraldo on my program. So uh, welcome and uh, This is going to be a fun interview. I have a feeling we're going to have fun tonight, folks. So I got my Red Bull going here because I've had a long day. Uh, (laughs) I'm two hours ahead of Geraldo, so uh, he's going to have an advantage over me uh, with that. But um, part of the reason I want to have Geraldo on is because you have a fascinating story um, about your faith and your sexuality and the journey that you've been on. And uh, so I want to talk about that and also your um, history and time at Mormon Book Review. So to start this thing off, that was a long enough introduction, folks, and Geraldo's going to do most of the talking tonight. Um, we start. Let's just start with where you were born and uh, what kind of family you were born into. Um, were you born in the covenant?
1: Yeah, so yes, yeah, so I was born in the covenant. Um, both of my parents were members of the church. They both served missions. Um, my dad was a convert. He converted into the church when he was around 24 years old um, and uh, pretty sudden after that he went on 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 an LDS mission um, so he served in Oaxaca Mexico and and my mom also served in the same mission so that's kind of where where they met um, they didn't really talk much during their mission but they knew about each other and then, after that, they got in contact, and then they ended up getting uh, married pretty soon after that. Um, and so my dad's conversion was, um, I think, really happened during his mission. So he he had a very, very orthodox, you know, really by the book mission president, who he still has, keeps contact with, and it's, it's kind of like his second father. Um, and... That, that's where his orthodoxy really, really, you know, became rooted in, in his mission and his mission experiences. Um, my mom, uh, his, my, my mom's mom, so my grandma, she found about the church when my mom was about five years old. So uh, my mom was baptized in the church when she turned eight and she grew up in, in the church. Uh, Something interesting about my mom was that um, she, uh, through meeting some uh, members from Idaho who were visiting Mexico and and went to their ward uh, around the time my mom was a teenager, uh, my grandma kind of like made friends with them and with this couple from Idaho Falls and uh, and they offered for my mom to come to the United States as an exchange student to live for a year and learn English and learn how Mormonism is lived in, you know, in the United States, because the church was pretty young, especially in, in Merida, where where my mom was from. So, um, So my mom's, like, testimony and, like, and experiences about what the church really was was really built, I feel like during that time where she lived in, in in Idaho Falls. And and then and then the idea of like her of her serving a mission that also started during that time. Um, and then when she went back and then a few years after that she decided to go on, on, on a mission herself. And and that's where um, they my, like my parents met each other and uh, so they're both I I was born into a very very orthodox family you know like I was the first son I only have one sister so we were only two kids Um, but you know we were uh, like Sundays were like strict not watching tv not listening to music that was not church music Um, I know like my parents were like we we, in my household in my house we were not even allowed to drink coca-cola because that you know that that's part of like was part was was part of mormon mormonism back then um and they they still stand by that like they they still both of them don't drink coca-cola and those kind of things so um yeah uh it i i Growing up, I mean, I, I, I liked the church. I liked going, going to church um, as a kid, but from a very young age, I, I noticed that I had an attraction to guys.
0: And, okay. Now, before we get there, I just have a quick question Yeah, yeah. Mom, I, I want to know, what was your mom's experience like in America? What did she think of America? Well, what, how was it for her?
1: Um, I know she, she loved it. She, she really liked the culture, the language. Um, and, uh, you know, living in, even though it was Idaho Falls, it's still like a developed country. Um, And so she really, really enjoyed her time here. And something I, I, I didn't say was that when she, after the year in Idaho Falls, she went back to Merida and she liked it so much that she found another family to come back for another year to Arizona. So she lived for another year with a Mormon family in Arizona okay um and so yeah
0: okay that's cool that's very interesting so you were you were you were telling us that you're basically um that you uh you start addressing your sexuality uh, let's just start how old were you when you maybe recognized that you had a uh, same-sex attraction i
1: i i remember honestly like kind of like first grade kindergarten being being attracted to guys, maybe, maybe not sexually necessarily, but it was like a, an aesthetic attraction towards boys uh, on, on my grade. I like, I remember this specific boy that I was attracted to from my classroom. Uh, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was before first grade. Uh, so I was really, really young. Um, and, and those attractions continued and and they just became um, like stronger and stronger. At one point, uh, during like second grade, I feel like I, um, I recognized that I also had some kind of attraction towards girl, towards girls, or, and, um, so because I knew that's kind of like what was expected and that what was that that's what was right. Like that I would talk to, for example, like my dad or my mom, oh, hey, I really like this girl from my classroom. And this was around like second grade probably. Um, and they would give me like tips on how to like approach her and stuff like that. Um, but again, this was I, I don't think this were like sexual attractions yet. It was mostly like aesthetic. Attractions, because you know, uh, I think sexuality is a spectrum. So, and, and obviously, when when I when we were that young, we, I, I mean, I didn't know what sex was. So, but
0: yeah. So when you were at, at that age and you had these attractions, did you know what homosexuality or being gay was? Did you under- have any under- concept uh, of it? Uh, I,
1: I didn't have, I I didn't know the concept when I when I was probably like first grade. But I learned it pretty soon um, i but but grow, growing up and going to school i i also was kind of like more feminine and had like mannerisms and stuff so i i would be uh maybe bullied a little bit by 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 some other like you know compa- uh, um classmates and stuff and and they would bring up like you know like you're gay and stuff so that's kind of like where i learned what what gay was I remember very vividly one time looking in the dictionary, the word homosexual and just kind of like trying to, I don't know, understand what, if it was a, a thing and then I, I found it and then I read the meaning and I and I remember like my heart being like, you know, super like just going crazy and, and I just closed the dictionary. And, and another time I remember too, like asking my mom about it, like asking, what she thought about two men being together, and my mom explained to me that that was wrong, or like that you know that that was not what God wanted. That marriage is between a man and a woman, like probably something very simple. Uh, but I do remember asking my mom about it, and she like obviously not showing an, an approval of it. Um, but I didn't. I didn't say, "Hey, that's something I experienced." I asked it like more like generally.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, feeling her out and see. Uh, yeah. So, just explain to me maybe the culture uh, of where where you, what area of Mexico you're raised in, and maybe kind of about the culture in general, uh, how they would view gay people.
1: Um, so, my I, I was I was born and, and and grew up in in a city called Merida in the state of Yucatan in the Yucatan uh, Peninsula, uh, which ironically that's where. A lot of people, a lot of Mormons believe that that's where uh, the Mormon, uh, the Book of Mormon events took place. Um, so, and it's a very conservative state. Uh, same-sex marriage was not legalized until this year in that city. Although it 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 was it was passed by the Supreme Court in Mexico several years ago. So it's really legally all around uh, around Mexico. You but. If the state didn't have it legalized, you still have to appeal for it, and it was like a whole process. But this year, um, the state I, I grew up in legalized same-sex marriage, uh, which is you know pretty late uh, for because um, Mexico City did it several years ago. So, but, but yeah, pretty conservative, um, and not many Mormons. So. I was always probably most of the time I was the only Mormon on, on my, in my classroom, like, you know, going to school and stuff. Um, And, uh, but, but, and there was this, um, and and like I said, like, I think it's, it's, it was just the same as many other places. Like kids would bully others for being more feminine or being different. And stuff like so and that was before uh so all the way from like elementary school to junior high but high school changed for some reason in high school like the kids in my high school and my friends had a lot more open mind Mm -hmm. uh, had had a lot more open mind so um so so kind of like the bullying stopped when I got into high school um and and because of that uh, and feeling more accepted by my, by my friends and, and other people, and gaining more friends. I was able to eventually come out to, to my friends. Um, How old were you when you came out? And uh, this was around probably
0: uh,
1: like 14, 15, pro- probably 14. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I just I I just told some of my my best friends, my really close friends, hey, like, look, I'm really, a, like, I really have a really bad crush on this guy, and that's kind of like how how they found like found out, and and then they were like, oh my gosh, that's super cool that you're gay, and like, so they were super celebrating it and super accepting, and then uh, pretty quickly, I just started coming out to all my friends, and then all of a sudden, I was I was out to like anyone but my parents and the church mm-hmm. um so um at the time i came out i had i started kind of living like a a little a, a double life where like i was one person i was completely out and myself with my friends and in in school um and then with my parents and at church like i was you know not out just like being just typical mormon you know seminary like uh i was probably best student in seminary and uh, just going to sc- like being like the deacons and deacons and uh teachers president um and then you know all, all the leadership positions that that you can think of i i had I'm,
0: so I just real you quick did. you have a faith in mormonism you believe in it and how did you decide that you were going to come out to your friends knowing that one you're the only Mormon so you almost have to kind of represent you have that pressure Um, and what what was the factors in deciding to actually tell uh, your friends
1: yeah so I think there were several reasons Um, one of them was probably just feeling more accepted and and more uh, you know embraced by by my really close friends and how they reacted to it just allowed me to like start being more of myself with everyone else uh but also what gave me the idea that that was possible um well something that i i think i realized was that it was something that was not going to go away um and the the church like in mexico didn't really talk about the gay subject like And it was the time where like the Mormon and gay website didn't really exist. Um, And in Mexico, there was no, not information about, about being gay and Mormon. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it it was this weird thing where I kind of still believed in the church, but I knew that being gay and Mormon was not possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I didn't know there was, you know, like I, like I had no idea there was something called like Uh, mixed orientation couples and or like conversion therapy or even just like progressive gay Mormons who stayed in the church Um, so because I I didn't know that was a thing my idea was like I'm just gonna push I think it's true but I'm gay so it just, just doesn't work for me so I'm just gonna push through it go through high school go on a mission and then try to live my life as like a gay you know gay person and just probably leave the church eventually
0: um so earlier you had mentioned that you went through a dictionary and looked up the word homosexual did you mm-hmm. also go to like a bible a concordance and, and go to the bible and read what it said about homosexuality
1: i don't think i did but so like did, the leviticus
0: no. chapters you didn't they weren't in there yeah
1: no okay. i don't think i did but i well I did know it was it was wrong I did not like although like I didn't know how to approach it and there was not a lot of information about being gay and, and a member of the church like I didn't know it was against the basic tenets of, of the church you know like it, it, I, it, I remember being mentioned in the general conference that's where like I got most of the information about that uh, about being gay you know like it was general conference and specifically like the the priesthood meetings that's where like the topic would come out usually by boy K. packer or elder oaks would give a talk and talk about same-sex attraction or uh, you know the homosexuals um so kind of like that's how i knew that that, that that was not possible it's not it was not possible to be a homosexual and and a member of the church
0: so you're out to your friends in high school did you actually have a date in high school
1: yeah so i actually did started dating um around just around that time as well um just going on dates with guys and um I did, I have, I had my first kiss and stuff like that, just like normal, like just a normal high school experience. Um, so I was living like a double life cause I was obviously like, you know, going to temple trips for youth and not, not confessing about those things to my Bishop. Um, and, and I do remember feeling guilty, like constantly, Uh, whenever like there would be a talk about you know the the law of chastity or about the importance of being worthy and and to go into the temple so uh I I would feel guilty but um I knew I I just I I knew that coming out was basically not an option that my parents would not accept me and that it would just I honestly didn't know what was going to happen if my parents found out like I, I, I honestly thought that I could, I, they could kick me out of the house if they mm-hmm. found out that I was gay.
0: So what steps did you do to try to conceal your sexuality to your parents? Uh,
1: so, you know, I just, I was just like one person. At, so I was a really good student at school. So I had really good grades uh, my family had a, a a pretty big family business, which was our main source of income at the time. And I I helped a lot. I worked for the family business um, after school and on on you know during the summertime. So I was I was making my own money uh, through the the family business. So I was a pretty good kid, and you know I would go to church, do the stuff I had to do. So in some way I had liberty you know to like ask my dad my parents to um just go out on weekends and like do stuff with my friends and 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 um so because of that uh, um because of of the liberty that i earned um i was able to just now be myself in in just settings that were not my home and church
0: okay that's interesting so the year, so your game plan was to, like you said earlier, get out of high school, go on a mission yeah. and then start living your life. And so yeah. I imagine that game plan included keeping it from your parents through that entire process. Yeah. Um, but that's not exactly what happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I have to say, too, like that idea, I didn't come up with it by myself. So we had we had a neighbor who were actually were actually just living like the family were just living like a block. Um, uh, behind us and and they were part of our they were mormon and they were they're part of our our, our word and they had a son who uh, i was friends with and at, at the time he was at byu and it was rumored like you know among members in in, in the word and in the stake that the son was not was probably gay and that although he was at byu he was not follow probably not following the rules and and that kind of stuff uh so I got in contact with him because I you know like he he was all a lot older than me but we grew up in the same ward um so I got in contact with him and, and we started talking about his experience and that's kind of like where I got that idea of you know keeping it from your parents while while you go through high school and then you just go on your mission and then mm-hmm. maybe go to BYU and then even at BYU, you could be out and and just do your thing. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I got that the the idea, mm-hmm. uh, and I knew that that could be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you asked like that's not exactly what happened. So uh, when I was uh, when I was sixteen, so two years before my mission, um, my parents found found some texts on on my phone. It was my mom, and it was during, during a church meeting. Um, I think it was word conference because I my dad was my dad was a stake, on the stake presidency at the time, and um, I know he was on the stand. And um, for some reason, my 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 sister asked for my phone, and I gave it to her. And then next time I looked, like my mom has my phone and she's reading through my like texts. Mm and, um, and I, just my heart sank. And I knew what she was reading because I was texting with a guy <laughs> during the church meeting. Uh, so, um, a, a, and then as soon as the meeting was over, she ran and hand over the phone to my dad and said something. So I knew like it was over. So I, I think what I did was I, I just walked home because we lived a few blocks from, from the church and when I got home, I just called my, my best friends and I said, hey, my parents just found out I'm gay and I think I'm going to get kicked out or from my house. Do you think I can go and stay with you? Uh, can you ask your, par- your parents if that's OK? And, and they did. And they, they said, yeah, my mom said, that's fine. Like You can stay here. Um, anyway, so long story short, my parents came back from church. They went into their bedroom and they just started talking. And, and I think I, I, my mom was just bawling and crying. And, um, and then <clears throat> um, so I, I think they started kind of like just, you know, kind of Googling kind of like church resources for that type of situation. Because even my dad being in the state presidency, he was not familiar with what to do in those kind of situations. I don't think he had ever heard of it. Um, wow. so, um, because my mom knows English, uh, they were able to find, you know, the church oh. resources, uh, that, that were available at the okay, time. So, like, So
0: just real quick, yeah. I just, I just want to ask yeah. you, so you're at your house now, did they give you the cell phone back at, or did your, do your parents hold on, held on to it?
1: No, they, I think they held on to it. Okay. Yep. So
0: you get back to your house, you're calling your friends, you're yeah. calling from the landline I,
1: from the landline. Of, okay. Of,
0: so they still have the phone. So you're thinking they're going through my texts. They're looking at my history. And you're like, yep. okay. And I don't have my phone, so they come home, and your mom's bawling and crying. And they close the door. What were you feeling like at the time?
1: Well, I I think it was just a combination of being anxious and sad and uh, and just really really stressed because because of not knowing what was gonna happen like I said I was trying to prepare myself for like the worst outcome by calling my friends and asking if I could uh, stay at their house um so it was just it was just a mix of, of feelings it, it was I don't think I was crying but it, it was I was I think it was the worst I've ever felt in, in my life um, and uh, yeah I don't know if you have any other questions
0: about that? Oh yeah. Well, you were so now. Your parents they start researching it, and yeah. there you had mentioned that your mom's bilingual, so she could access some of the resources yeah. that the churches uh, had. So maybe talk about what. So now they're because basically they don't know anything about homosexuality, Right. so they got to educate themselves. Right. So are they just using church resources? Do they go and look at other materials, or are they, or did they just focus on the church materials?
1: No, they only because because they know what the I, they. By that point, they knew what the wor- what the what, what the, the psychology, yeah. you know, field thought about it. And I, uh, this is a part that I didn't. I mean, it, it's so hard because I I feel like I have to leave so many details out because we we don't have a lot of time. But so when I was in in junior high, I know that the psychologist from from the school, um, he called my mom in. Um, just to talk about like people like uh, kids bullying me and stuff like that and and she's told me that one of the things that the psychologist told her was like you know Gerardo seems to have like a uh lenience he, he like basically he, he's probably gay and 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 that's and, and there's nothing that you or anyone can do about it that's just like a normal developmental like just normal thing and, and that, that is part of the human experience. And my mom got really, really upset at the psychologist and um, she basically, basically ignored it. And, and now, did you like, know yeah, this, this at
0: the time that the, that, that, that the psychologist told her this and she, did she come home um, and tell you or did she tell you about that later?
1: I don't, I, I, she, she must have told me something because I knew, I knew about the story and then I recently asked her about it. Mm. um and and she told me like the more details on on it kind of like on how she felt because my question to her was like how because because when I because when they found that I was gay like they kept saying like why didn't you tell us like we didn't know like we didn't know and they kept saying like we didn't know and so my question to her like recently was like so how did you know didn't this like situation happen where like the psychologist of the school pretty much told you that that was The reality and she said that basically you know when you're when you're a member of the church and you have a preconceived ideas of what humans should be and what you know what 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 the path for a person should be like so it made her for her to like just block whatever the psychologist said and ignore it and just not think about it um
0: and so but, even though you, you had like feminine qualities as a young boy yeah. often yeah. people like a lot of people say mom knew from the beginning you don't think <laughs> she really suspected anything until they found those texts
1: yeah I, what what she said is like she she would just uh block block it out like just zone it out like you know whenever the question would would rise on her head like oh what might Gerardo be gay like she would just like not think about it just uh, thought stopping kind of thing so she never really thought about it much because she would just completely shut it down as soon as the thought came into her mind
0: okay wow Um, so basically your parents now so they're just dealing with church resources and so now what are they telling you what are the what are the rules they're put you know you're under their roof yet so what is life like yeah
1: and you need to know that during that time there was not many official resources. Probably the most official thing was the pamphlet uh, "God Loveth His Children." That that was like, kind of like the most updated official church resource. um And then maybe Boy K Packers pamphlet on to young men on, only. Uh, but other than that, there were not many really official. You know, like today's there's like a website that
0: just. Talks about it, so they didn't ex- weren't um, exposed to uh, the miracle. of but, forgiveness but
1: they found, Oh well, yeah, there was the miracle of forgiveness. Yeah, that's okay. true. And my, I know my mom read the miracle of forgiveness before they found about it, found out about it. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but honestly, I don't know exactly how how the miracle of forgiveness influenced their their thoughts. But uh, I know that they found Evergreen uh, through their research. That, that and and they found that there was this organization you know that was uh supported by the church and uh help uh, just helping people with same-sex attraction
0: so was um, this like a, a Mormon version of like exodus international or repair to yeah. therapy a little bit talk a little bit about that
1: yeah so um evergreen was was founded in the I think in the, in the 80s and 90s uh by by latter-day Saints by Latter-day Saints who experienced same sex same sex attraction and who wanted to f- build an organization that just was a resource for people wanting to stay in the church and, and deal with it. And, and through its like organization and everything, it got mixed into, you know, the conversion therapy uh, that was pretty uh, pretty strong at, at the time, especially uh, th- uh Through religious groups, you know, like you're mentioning Exodus, Mm -hmm. Um, so their their approach really quickly became therapeutically a therapeutic approach to uh, same sex uh, same sex attraction. And I know some people get really triggered by this term. And the reason same sex attraction, the reason why I'm using it is because that's how they refer to it, Um, and that's how the church used to refer to it. So that's why I'm using the term. Um, but anyway, so 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 their approach was that people could change through therapy. Um and that the attractions they could be either completely uh gone or or at least diminished, um, in order so in order for, for members of the church to just leave a chaste and and you know, like just follow the covenant path. Um uh, so there was a lot of uh, mixed orientation couples involved in in, in it, and 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 uh, conversion therapists like Dave Matheson, um, who who will end up being my my therapist. Um, but uh, yeah, so so they so so basically that one day when they found that there was hope. they um they invited me into the room and they pretty much said like look um there's these resources that can help you um you still have to go on your mission like that's probably like is that something you still want to do and like and like so basically like there's this way to help you but it's your decision like what do you want and you have to remember. At that point, I was scared of being kicked out of my house. So, basically, I—I I mean, I felt like I didn't have any other choice. I, I said, "Yeah, mom, dad, I want to be helped." Um, and did and you really
0: I, want to be helped, or was that just a survival no, mechanism? No,
1: I—I no, I didn't. Okay. Um, because I didn't at that at that point. Uh, but then when, when my mom just got in contact with them and they started sending her like the resources and, and the pamphlets and just all this stuff. And, and, and then as part of like my commitment to my parents of wanting help was that I was going to read it and I was going to do all this stuff. Um, I became indoctrinated into the idea that, you know, like the same sex attraction, um, was not inherent and that could be changed. Like, um, so it was a process of, of me changing, like my, my ideas that I had before and, and getting convinced that I probably could be helped. And, and it got combined with the fact that I still love the church. I still, um, you know, like, uh, enjoyed the church and I still believed it. Um, my testimony was not super strong, but I mean, I saw my, my other friends, you know, being Catholic or Christian and like, in some way I knew like, this has to be the true church. Like there's no way the others are. Um, so, so yeah. So the combination of those two things, I, I, I got convinced that,
0: yeah, I could be, I could be changed. So you, there was a moment where you actually thought you could be changed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. And I, I even went to my friend's you know the friends that were not mormon and that were very supportive of me coming out and i told them you know like my parents one like are asking me to go through this and i feel like i really want to and i feel like i can be changed so i want i need your support in this uh because i i'm gonna really try this um this therapy Um, how did your friends
0: respond to that uh, they
1: they they were pretty supportive um honestly they were like okay I mean if that's what you want to do that's Mm -hmm. that's fine um and but I mean that that was it they they didn't do much but they said yeah that's fine like they didn't try to talk me out of it or anything Mm -hmm. um and so when my mom contacted Evergreen she said like look I want the best therapist available um and you know the one that has the most success and the best one you have so so she was referred to dave matheson um and uh so i just pretty quickly got set up with him and started having uh skype um meetings with him Hmm. because we were we were in mexico um and
0: um, so you didn't go to a physical location you were doing all the counseling via skype
1: yeah everything was through skype
0: yeah did they have any retreats that you went to or was everything um
1: they were they 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 there were like you know the the journey into manhood because dave matheson is a co-founder of, of those retreats um that we were kind of like we were suggested and to that i could go to and that it would be helpful we kind of looked into it but i never ended up going Um uh, okay. but it was just like a hard uh you know thing to set up like how like I would have to fly here and then, you know, like logistics. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so you're, so you sit in front of your computer and you're going to go through your first Skype session to get straightened out. Um, yeah. What was that <laughs> like getting ready to talk to this gentleman and how did that first conversation go?
1: Um, honestly, I, a lot of it, I, I don't remember the details. I, a lot of details. I remember some stuff. So I remember a lot of it was just talk therapy Uh, was just talking about, so the, 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 the root uh, or the idea of conversion therapies is is founded on, on, on the, on the premise that you had a distant relationship with your dad growing up and, and too close relationship with your mom. So you, you have to fix the relationship you had with your dad and the relationship you have, and, and the relationship you have with boys uh, or guys um that was probably not not enough and you probably hanged out too much with girls (laughs) and and that's what made you gay um so the therapy was a lot of trauma therapy um I've movement there's this therapy called I've movement I can't remember exactly the term but it's basically like it's a it's a type of therapy that is used to get over trauma Um, and, and, and we use that or or Dave Matheson, uh, use that with me, um, to just get over, you know, like, like just experiences that I had or that I had with my dad being like angry at me and stuff like that, or just stuff that, you know, like he thought damaged Or relationship or like that we were not too close so so the whole thing was like trying to get you close to your with your dad again uh getting over the bullying uh trauma as well um and embracing your your um your masculinity
0: okay so a couple of things um first of all what was your relationship with your father for most of your life like and two, and yeah. you, I also want you to get back a little bit at this eye movement thing. I, I want you to kind of explain what that's all about.
1: Yeah. Um, so my relationship with my dad was, um, was not great. Like my dad, uh, you, I, because he, he, he was really inv- a person that's really invested in, in his work and at church, you know, like he had big callings for most of my life growing up um, stake presidency for nine, um, nine plus years. Um, so I didn't really have a close relationship with him. Um, and the, the, I, I, so, so that's the thing. It kind of like the narrative that Evergreen was telling me and that, you know, the, the conversion therapy was telling me kind of fit my, my experience, which was that I did have a way closer relationship with my mom and with women so it was a lot easier for me to make friends with women than with guys because because of my feminine side or whatever you know i like more feminine things it was more easier i think for me to just uh relate to girls or women um and so part of the therapy was also making goals or commitments that i would start hanging out more with boys and not too much with girls. Uh, so my parents would kind of like try to watch that, kind of like, where are you going with? Like, you know, like, uh, are, are there gonna be any guys there? Is it, is it, or is it just girls? Like, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, I'm really quickly, okay. So so the therapy is called eye movement uh, desensitization uh, and reprocessing. And, and this is a, this is a legit, you know, a method ther- therapy that is used in, you know, in, and just normal settings of, of, of therapy. Uh, but David Matheson would apply it uh, to, in, in the context of changing your, your, your attractions towards your same gender. Um, and so... So let, let's, I'll just read you really quickly what it says here, uh, just for your listeners to kind of have a little bit more context, because this is what, what was part of what we were doing. Um, so it's, it says eye movement desensitization and, and reprocessing is a, it's just a controversial form of psychotherapy in which the person being treated is asked to recall distressed images Uh, So he would ask me to, you know, recall times where my dad jailed at me or when I was bullied. And then and then the therapist then directs the patient in one type of bilateral bilateral situation, such as a side to side eye, rapid movement or hand tapping. Um, And yeah, so so that's kind of like you close your eyes, you kind of look one side, you remember a certain experience and you move your eye to another place. And that's kind of I'm trying to do my best to explain what, what was happening.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So, so uh, how did it go overall? this experience here doing these counseling sessions? And this is kind of leading up through the period of time we're going to be graduating out of high school and also serving on your mission. So maybe just talk about that transition period and how, and how the therapy, if you will, uh, factored into that.
1: Yeah. So the therapy went on for about, for, for a period of about a year. Um, And I think it was after a few months of doing it that I, I just realized it was not working um, that, you know, the, the attractions were just as strong as ever. And Oh, so I started to pretend, which I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating, but I, my guess is that I'm not the only one that did this, uh, you know, on, on conversion therapy camps or in conversion therapy sessions. Uh, so I just started to pretend and just telling David that it was working Um, And I kind of just went back to my plan A, which was uh, pushing through it, through my mission, and then um, basically, and then just come back, maybe go to BYU, and then at BYU, just be able to date guys and do my thing. Uh, So, um, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I I just realized it, it was not working. And so I would tell, like David would ask me, like kind of like to rate my attractions towards guys, and then rate them towards women, and I would say, oh, like my attractions towards guys are lower now, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Something that was kind in some way helpful was that because I was going on my mission, I was never asked to date girls. Uh, so I was not never asked, okay, let's go now and try it and see how it's working, um, because. You know, like i I was not gonna date until I came back from my mission.'
0: So, okay, so you had that you know, that, that, that cover there, helpful. okay, so yeah. um, <laughs> so you're in with this for a few months, and then you are so you're 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 progressing towards graduation, you're you're doing the mission field. Where are you at where, What's your mental space like? Where are you at um first of all, where are you at spiritually and and then where are you at mentally at this point?
1: Yeah, I mean, at that point, like I said, I, I kind of went back to plan A, uh, but I knew I had to go on my mission. Um, and I, I, I also really like knew that the only option for me to, even after my mission to really be myself was it, which is pretty ironic, but was, um, was going to be BYU. Um, uh, because I, because in Mexico, there's this culture, uh, of you don't, you don't move out of your house until you get married. And I'd say most of my friends from high school and who, I mean, they're pretty good financially. They have pretty good jobs, but people, you know, they're, they're my age and most of them haven't moved out from their parents home. Uh, So, so I knew that was the expectation from my parents. So I knew the only way to get away from it was going to, B BYU. At one point, my mom had told me, like, because my dad didn't want me to go to BYU. Uh, part of it, I think it was that he had seen, uh, you know, or neighbor what had happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and but my mom at one point she said, you know, once you serve your mission, your dad won't be able to tell you anything. Like, like you've done what he asked you to do, and and then you can just start taking your own decisions. Um so. So that's where I was at spiritually I was I, I still knew I had to go on my mission and in some way I still believed the church was true but I, again I knew that I mean I was trying I tried to change and it didn't work so um I knew like I mean the church was not gonna work for me which is funny because like I, I I would still invite my friends who were not members to come to church meetings and stuff and and I would still want them to convert or be part of the church hmm. uh but but uh, but not but in my mind i was like it would it will work for them but not for me
0: so you were actually already mentally checking out of the church at this point still yeah. do, do your mission go to byu so you envisioned yourself what kind of faith did you envision having after you graduated from byu your own kind of christianity uh you just take pick and choose your thing or go to a, like a main yeah, line church more,
1: mainly just like not really thinking about it and just being you know not 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 really like religiously just being like this just super back of the thing that was super back of my mind just okay like not really not okay
0: really. all right that's very interesting yeah so let's let's just talk a little bit about your where did you serve your mission how did that go and then yeah. let's talk about your college years
1: yeah um so my my mission, I, I I was called to Mexico City. So that's that's where I served. And I, my conversion really happened on, on the MTC, uh, on the Missionary Training Center, um, where at one point we were asked to like, you know, like uh, kneel down on one class, we were asked to kneel down and just pray and ask God to give us a testimony if the church was true. And then at that point, I opened the Book of Mormon and and found a scripture that really touched me and uh, I think really applied to my situation. Um, So to me, that was like my response from God. And I really got convinced that this was the true church. But for half, more than half of my mission, I still need, even though I still had like I had a really strong testimony like I I was a super hard working missionary I was super obedient I knew that going back it was not going to work for me like the church was not for me mm-hmm. it was for other people and I would I I converted a lot of people but not not for me
0: so what years was it that you served your mission
1: um I served 2013 to the 2015
0: okay so um, that's interesting now of course 2015 we had the November policy right
1: yeah yeah and that happened right after i came back from my mission uh so i'll i'll just go really quickly so when so at, at the end of my mission i was uh i mean i served in all leadership positions zone leader uh and then when i was uh called to be the assistant to the president uh that's when that, that that's when the, my testimony just like exploded and i was like you know like this church is is super true and the gospel is super true like i have to go back home and try again and try to change and i have to marry a woman and just do what what the church just teaches me mm. um so and so i ended up my i ended up my mission with that idea again that i was going to be able to change and that i was um i was i was going to um date women so, um, but I, when, when I came back, so when I came back from my mission, my parents were, uh, had lost the family business. And so my really only option was going to BYU-Idaho, because, uh, uh, you know, BYU was way too expensive. Uh, and, and my dad was the one doing the release interview. So I don't know if you're familiar with that, but like when missionaries come back, they're interviewed by the stake president. Uh, but the stake president was out of town when I came back. So my dad was the one doing the interview. And it was like a super powerful experience. Like my dad and I were crying the whole time. And um my I, I told my dad, like, I really feel like I need to go to BYU Idaho, because I feel like um someone from mexico like a girl from mexico is not going to understand you know this whole same sex attraction thing but a girl in 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 the united states in utah or idaho you know they're more familiar with the topic so they might be able more they'd be more open to it um and so i still had the idea of going coming to the us uh but doing it in a faithful way um and so yeah, I started, but so I was home for six months and started uh, applying to BYU Idaho, go to accepted. And during that time, I started dating a girl from, from from Merida. And she was a pretty good looking girl. And and she was super like interested in, in me. And at one point in one of our dates, she kissed me. And well. But before that, she, I, I realized, like, it would, I really wanted it to work, but I also felt like it was, I would get uncomfortable whenever, like, she would try to hold my hand or get too close, it would feel, like, really uncomfortable, and, and the, uh, you know, the, the last drop was when she, um when she kissed me, and it was just, I mean, it's not that she's a bad kisser, it's just, it's just, it was an awful experience, awful, awful. Like I, like I dropped her off at her house. She kissed me. And then, um, and then I got in my car and then I, I started crying. And cause I was like, this didn't change. This is not going to go away. And I'm not even attracted to girls. So like, I can't do it. And at that point, remember, like I already had kissed guys. So I knew what that felt like. I knew what it was supposed to feel. Um, so, I called my best friend who had also just came back from his, had just recently come back from his mission. Um, And I told him about it. And that's kind of like, kind of like how I cope with it. And then uh, pretty soon after that, it, it was a time to come to BYU, Idaho. But at that point I had decided that this was not gonna go away and that dating women was not a viable option but I didn't tell my parents Um, and, but yeah, so that's how I arrived to BYU-Idaho already with that mindset.
0: So it wasn't a lack of trying on your part to try to conform to the uh, standards of your church and you gave it your best shot in your mind. That's interesting. So um, of course, BYU-Idaho has a reputation of being much more conservative uh, then, yeah, you know Provo. Um, <laughs> so you get the, to there, and you have a very conservative culture. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like? Uh, just th- this this culture that you entered into, and your college experience in general.
1: Um, my my college experience in general was was fine. I mean, I still believed in the church. Okay. So I, I at the for the first two years, for the first three years, I had no. i I would say two i had no problem with with idaho with byu idaho being so conservative and so church focused because i still liked it um and but at the same time behind the scenes you know i was like on on the dating apps on tinder um i mean they're not a lot of guys there was not a lot of guys uh, on the apps and stuff that were out and willing to you know go on dates and meet uh but but I was able to, you know, meet, meet a, a few guys and, and date, date around a little bit. Um, and, and and at the same time, I just focus on, on I was really focused on, on I, I really knew what career I wanted to do. And I, I was like laser focused on that. And I enjoyed it because because I knew what I wanted to do. I was taking classes that I liked and like doing stuff that I was really passionate about. And at the same time as I was working and, you know, I just staying super busy. Um, so it was not super hard um, until I, I, I met my current husband, uh, Zach.
0: Zach. Okay. So tell us a little bit about Zach. Where's he's from? What's his background? Yeah.
1: So Zach is from Idle Falls. Uh, he had like his experience was a little bit different from mine. He also kind of knew he was gay uh before but like didn't really came came out to himself uh and then he went on his mission um he had a you know not not the best experience on his mission he experienced a lot of depression and anxiety during his mission um and then but served the whole two years and then came back and then you know realized okay yeah uh, like date. i think he tried to date a couple girls and then came to the same conclusion that I did, which is like, I don't think this is going to work. So uh realized he was gay and he started getting into, you know, the dating apps. He dated a guy and at the time, because he was from Idaho Falls, he was commuting. So he was living with his parents and then, and then driving to Rexburg for classes. Um, he started dating a guy uh, for the first time. And then eventually they broke up and he um he com- his his mom found out or something i think he told his mom and it was like this huge thing like he she made him go and confess to to the bishop so he had to do that and i think he had to you know like stop going to school for a couple semesters and then um and then eventually when he was ready to be accepted again uh he decided to move to Rexburg and that was January of 2018 um so and it was right when he moved to Rexburg where we matched on you know tinder and uh and we 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 met and uh you know we we went on our first date and we clicked really fast like I was super attracted to him and and then we just started seeing each other we we just saw each other every day after that for like the next couple months um and be, be made it official super quickly too uh and then something i think I, I had mentioned to you since the beginning one of the first things we talked about was that we both agreed that we both believed in the church that we both believed the book of mormon was was true and then maybe the church had it wrong on the gay issue maybe we were going to go to the celestial kingdom but we both felt like we had done everything we could do to make it work and it didn't work for us so we in some way we felt not justified but we felt like the best path to be happy in this life was going to be you know being in a same-sex relationship
0: and so now at this point, your parents still think you've been fixed, or you're going to make <laughs> a, uh, you know, try to find so, a girl and get married, right? Yeah. So,
1: I, I I think I I left that part out too. But so what? Uh, so yeah. So when I when what? Well, when I got to BYU Idaho, they're really they were really insisting, like, hey, are you going out with girls? Like, how is it going? And you know, wanting to know like about the girls I'm dating. But so, um, it it was way before I met Zach probably about a year before I met Zach that I had already told my parents look this gay thing didn't go away and I am going to just push through my career I'm gonna you know still go to church I I still believe in the church but uh, my plan is not to marry a woman so please stop asking me about that Mm -hmm. Um, so that was kind of like their uh, that's kind of where we left things at that point and we didn't really talk about the subject anymore
0: so now what's interesting to me about because we talked about this off camera the other day and also i watched uh, some recommended clips from uh, your interview with john delin um, is that you guys's courtship if you will was pretty quick i mean like very mormon
1: yeah yeah super mormon yeah, we I think we we made it official after like three days. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then six months after that, uh, or probably it was eight months after that. Um I I eventually invited him to come because I, I visit I visited Mexico, my family during the summer. So I told him, hey, why don't you come with me uh to visit Mexico? And he said, Yeah, I'll do it. And so so we went to Mexico together. Uh, we invited another friend to kind of like, you know, like not raise many red flags for my parents. Hmm. And, um, it was in Mexico where we got engaged. So that was in August and we met in January. Um, so he, he got on one knee and and asked me to, to marry him. Um, and I said yes, (laughs) we had already talked about it. We had talked about marriage and stuff. Like you're saying, it was really like a really Mormon relationship. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Now let me ask you. It's so unusual. I mean, you're you're 26. Yeah. I mean, your generation they don't get married. I mean, even your friends yeah. uh, at that age, even your <laughs> friends are still living at home in Mexico. Yeah. So yeah. what made you guys make the decision? It's very unusual now. For I mean, is this part of your Mormon heritage that you got married at a young age? Was that something you talked through? Like, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it like right? Or what? What, what was your? Th- I mean, since today that's very young to get married
1: yeah i i think i like i already longed for this for when i even when i was a little kid like my dream was to have a boyfriend and eventually a husband and get married and 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 and, you know like uh i don't know if like have kids was part of the plan when i was a kid but like definitely have you know like a, a committed uh relationship so it was always like part of my, like what I wanted, um, I guess. And, and definitely, definitely very influenced by my Mormon upbringing for sure.
0: Wow. So I guess, I just want to ask you a question just about your relationship. Like you had mentioned you weren't sure about having kids. Have you guys discussed having children?
1: Yeah. So now we have, uh, and and we talked about it earlier too. uh, But, so we are both licensed foster parents right now. We don't have any kids uh, under our care, okay. Uh, but we are we are we we are licensed through the state, and we're um we're pretty much open to whenever the state tells us like look, there's this kids that need to be um to be placed in a home. So, so that, yeah.
0: that's how your your parental role would be like in a foster fostering situation. Then is what you yeah. Meaning.
1: Right now, uh, our goal uh, is to find a kid that. Uh, what it's called foster to adopt where we can you know like do foster for them and then and then eventually adopt them
0: yeah wow well that's interesting so um i want to get to mormon stories a little bit because we're we're short on time but i i want to just kind of wrap a bow on this a little bit about your relationship is and, and your family and your parents so have your parents met your husband
1: yeah so you know we so like i said I'll, I'll go through this really quickly. We got engaged. My parents didn't know. We were in Mexico. We were staying at my parents and they didn't know. We didn't tell them obviously. <laughs> we came back and then oh, something I think will be important is like our faith crisis. So, uh so we got engaged in August and then in January um after coming back from a trip, we started we found Mormon stories. And we started releasing Mormon stories like episode after episode after episode. Um, and then just, I just became obsessed. Sag a little bit less than that. I think Sag just really quickly got like, okay, yeah, the church is not true. And like, I've, I've been told a, a lie my whole life and I'm fine with that. Book of Mormon's I,
0: hogwash, that kind of thing basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: But I got really upset. I, like I would go to BYU Idaho library and get a bunch of books um, and on, you know, Graham Palmer, Dan Bogle, uh, the Tanners, uh, you know, all the books that you can imagine are available at the BYU-Idaho Library, Uh, Todd Compton, and so, and yeah, so I just became obsessed with it, I learned everything I could about it, and I told my parents, so I really quickly, because I was so mad at, at the church that I had been lied to, um and 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 part of it was being mad at like my parents like kind of like how could they not know all this stuff like Mm -hmm. how come when it was about same-sex attraction and all this stuff they went and researched it like and and like read books and like just crazy about it but then Cause eventually, like I told my dad about my faith Christ. I told him like, look, I found this, this, and he heard me for like 40 minutes, just go rant about like mm-hmm. all the thoughts I, I found. And, but then after that, it was, he didn't really fight. He didn't really say much, but after that was just crickets. Like he never really brought up the subject again. He told me, don't tell your sister, don't tell your mom. And, and that's it. And so I was really, really upset that like, how come, they were really willing to help me when it was this same-sex attraction thing. But then right now that I'm going through this, they're not willing to like, he's not willing to go and research it. Like to try, because at that point I was like, okay, try to help me a little bit with like, what are the answers to these questions and stuff? Um, Anyway, so I told my mom and eventually I just told them both, like, look, I I don't believe in the church anymore. At the beginning, I try to keep my faith on Jesus you know because i i i i bought the book because uh, that one was not at the byu idaho library from grant palmer uh called leaving mormon jesus for the jesus of the gospels
0: yeah, The but, incomparable in, in, in jesus or something like that and that was or oh yeah I, I know which book you're yeah, talking about yeah yeah it was that a good um, book i haven't read it Would, was that a good book for you
1: it was a good book it was mm-hmm. a good book but something that kind of like was weird because you know growing up mormon i had a really a really per, a, a perception about the bible and then really in, uh grand palmer's book there there's this chapter where he, where he admits that the bible has issues and the issues are significant um and that's and I was like, "Well, how can you be telling me to keep, still believe in Jesus, but then the Bible has issues, just as the Book of Mormon, just as the Book of Abraham?" So, like, what's this all about? And so, but I did try to keep my faith in Jesus, but then I was also listening to Mormon Stories, and then the uh, uh, David Bocaboy boy uh, episode came out on Mormon Stories, and I listened to that, and that was when I was like, "Okay, uh, I, I." While I think Jesus might have existed, I definitely don't think um, it it is as, you know, as Christians put it or as Mormons put it. Um, so I became like more a lot more agnostic because my my husband still makes fun of me that he told me, oh yeah, don't you remember you even told me like we should keep praying and like do a couple of prayers and stuff like that. Even after like our, our, our initial Mormon faith crisis hmm. um, that I still, he makes fun of me that I still wanted to pray with him and read the Bible with him. And, um, but yeah, after that, I was like, cause I, I do remember I started li- reading the Bible prompted by Grant Palmer. And uh, this was before Boy. I started noticing just just by myself, I started noticing this progression among the gospels that the Jesus of Matthew was a little bit different from the Mark and then definitely way different than the Jesus of John. And so I by myself, I started noticing those things. And then when David Boy just came, came out and said all that i was like okay yeah i um i I'll, I'll just dump it all um and in some way it was a relief for me like i think we talked about it too like just just the, the feeling of not knowing like of not knowing you know like i don't care if there, like i i'm not gonna say there's not a god i'm not gonna say like you know that there's not an afterlife but i'm okay with not knowing. And I, I, what I am sure about is that no one in this earth knows uh, cer- certainly what, what's going to happen after this life. Um, and, and I'm okay with that, but my husband did have a really hard, like a hard time with his faith crisis. Uh, he started having panic attacks just because of, he had a harder time with like that, the same fact of like not now now like we don't know what's going to happen after this life what is this life about then you know what's their purpose like of still living and he had a lot a, a much harder time than i did
0: okay um, well this is that's very interesting I, I i want to say to the audience that i actually had lunch with john Dolin, and um i told him my story about how <laughs> how an episode of the gospel of because uh, i was essentially I, i'm i was where you were at yeah. if anything i was actually more hardcore i would have considered myself a hardcore atheist at some point and mm-hmm. i would at the time i would have considered myself an agnostic and when i watched a particular episode and i'm going to talk about this down the road um it, it actually started pushing me back into christianity mm-hmm. uh, so i told john so john you actually led somebody back into faith as a result of mormon stories yeah uh, and so that's going to be an interesting story to tell one day um so just real quick, so your your relationship now, where do you stand with your parents now, your father's a bishop right now, is that correct, or
1: yeah, okay. So my dad was recently called as a bishop. Zach's dad was also called as a bishop wow. recently hmm. um and yeah, so uh both uh, on on my interview on Mormon stories, like Zach's family were in a way different place, and people can go and listen to that if they want but we both feel very supported now by both of our, by my parents and by his parents. My parents come to our house and stay for a week or two. Like this year they've come, you know, like three times already and they stayed at our house. Um, and we have a great relationship. My mom loves, loves Zach um, just as like her own son. And it's just, it's just great we have a great relationship, but it didn't start that way. It was definitely a process. Um, when, you know, when my parents, when I told my parents about my faith crisis, it took it really hard. And then, um, and then when they, uh, and then one of my main reasons why I decided to tell my parents about the faith crisis is because I knew eventually I, were, I was going to tell them about my relationship with Zach. So it was going to be uh, prepare, preparing them for that. Mm. Because if they knew that I didn't believe in the church anymore, in my mind, it was going to be easier for them to take it, to take the fact that I, I decided to, you know, pursue a, a, a same-sex relationship. Um, so I, yeah, so so they took it, they didn't take it as hard when I told my parents about a relationship we got, Zach and I got married while we were going to school at BYU-Idaho, so we, you know, we got engaged in August, and then the next July, so about a year after, that's when we got married, and then I graduated in December, um, and so, and that's when I, once I graduated, that's when he told his parents, and he had to tell them the whole thing, you know, that he was dating me, that he was, that he got engaged to me, that he got married to me, and that he had lost his faith, so, like all these things he told his parents in like a one sitting so they it was really a lot 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 harder for them
0: hmm. yeah. so you mentioned that you were on this road trip and you started uh, binge listening to mormon stories and yeah. so then how did you uh get to know john DeLynn? How did, how did how did that whole process begin where now you are a part-time co-host and kind of a full-time producer of Mormon stories.
1: Yeah. So, um, so when I, when we were at, when we were at BYU, Idaho and we got married, I emailed John and I pretty much told him our story. And we, I told him like, we're married. We're at BYU, Idaho. It's been really hard for us. Um, And and he responded, and he linked a few resources for us, which was really helpful um, and and then and and then we came to thrive in November. I still hadn't graduated uh, so the first thrive in two thousand nineteen then I graduated in december uh we we both Zach and I moved to Utah, and then John held a retreat uh Pretty soon after that, you know, his faith crisis retreats that he holds with Natasha Helfer and and Margie, um, and Zach and I went to that. We went, uh, we you know, we were we, we I had just graduated, and we were broke, pretty much like we had no money. Um, we were we were fortunate to like find jobs, full time jobs, pretty good jobs. Uh, when once we moved in but but at the time like you know we we had just moved in we had no money and so John has this uh like amazing donors that donate so like you people can attend this this faith crisis retreats sometimes uh at, at a very low cost so so that's how we were able to attend to them to to the retreat and then that's when we were actually able to meet John uh, I mean, we met in Thrive, on Thrive. We only took a picture with him. I told him like, "Hey, we're the ones that are married at BYU Idaho," and but that was it. And but then on the retreat, because it's a lot smaller group, we were able to talk to him a lot more. And then when he started recording uh, the when he started doing the episodes with uh, Doctor Riddner about the Book of Abraham, I think one of the my favorite subject on or you know Mormonism is the book of Abraham
0: yes let's talk about that (laughs)
1: so I was I was eating that those interviews and, and he was struggling with the lighting and you know the cinematography because of COVID had just hit he had uh he didn't have like someone helping him anymore so it was it was just him running the whole thing and um so he put out like a request on his Facebook saying like, "Is there someone that knows lighting or something like that?" And my major was in in graphic design, but I took a lot of photography classes, and and I I knew something about video. I worked uh, also part of the work I did before graduating was on video. Um, so I just contacted him and I said, "Hey, I can help." So, um, I I view John as like one of my heroes and I think I still do the work that was the was most important to me was not Mormon stories or the interviews he did for me what was the most healing thing that he has done was the study that he did for his dissertation on his PhD Mm -hmm. on the LGBTQ Mormon experience uh, and conversion therapy that was the main like subject conversion therapy and trying to prove if it it worked or not. And he found that 0% of the people that go through conversion therapy actually change. Um, and that study like completely changed my life. It made me feel, feel like no shame anymore about being broken, about not having been able to like, um, Change and you know my mom at that time she was still uh, she had told me several times that well, it's because you didn't try enough you didn't you didn't put enough of your effort into this, you were not faithful enough, you didn't believe enough. it was always put on me, but like seeing like that study really opened my eyes and so like it's not just me, you know there's like a thousand people in this study that had the same exact experience
0: yeah um, it's pretty amazing when we stop and think about it that on my side i kind of like sometimes like to cross over a little bit and you yeah. know the exodus international folks was like the main organization that was you know you could change your sexuality and all that and there were many evangelical organizations and some catholic people don't realize there are a lot of traditional catholics that are also into the gay conversion movement as well one of the most prominent uh, Advocates of it was Catholic, so we uh, on we kind of had to to deal with that when all the science started coming out. But not only that, but it seemed like just about all the founders and leaders and people of these groups ended up coming out of the closet and saying Mm. no, it didn't work. And you actually have a similar experience with the guy from Evergreen, yeah, yeah. A little bit about that. that.
1: That well, my 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 yeah, Dave Matheson, my therapist, he came out in the midst of our faith crisis. So while we're like you know, like I, I'm like studying all this, like Mormon history that I had never heard about, uh, you know, Joseph Smith polygamy, Sierra stones, all this stuff. Uh, my conversion therapist come out, comes out, says he divorced his wife and he admits that, um, the conversion therapy that he did helped pretty much no one, uh, to change their same sex attraction. Um, mm-hmm. so that was during that time. And, and I think I, by that point, I already knew about John's study. um, But yeah, so.
0: Wow. Yeah. So been, John, John a played lot. a major role in uh, so many aspects of your life. And now you, yeah. you know, you, you actually have other job that you have, but you also do assist with uh, Mormon stories and stuff like that. So just talk a little, maybe a little behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, just like, what's it like to work for John? What kind of person is John like? Yeah.
1: So um okay so i started so i i i got off track but i when when john put out the thing and i said hey i can help you i started helping him and i started as a volunteer
0: okay
1: um so i told him i don't want to get paid i want to give give out this time because of Mm. how much mormon stories has has helped me Mm. and and he was okay with that But then as I started just, you know, helping more with the podcast and just getting more involved and just uh, helping putting more hours in. Like he told me, look, I think what what he tells everyone, like just volunteer help at at this level is not sustainable uh, for for you. Like eventually you're going to get burned out if you're not getting paid. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I need you like you're you're an essential part of Mormon Stories right now. So I want, I I want you to get paid. Um, So we make, we made the arrangement of, uh, I, I bill my hours to, to the open stories foundation at the same rate that I, I, I do like that. I make with my, my uh, full-time job. Okay. So I have a full-time job and I put out, put on like about 10 hours a week on to the open stories foundation.
0: Wow. Well, wow. so um, like last night, um, I was watching a live presentation of Mormon stories. Were you were you involved in that producing that at, at the time?
1: Uh, the or, one from last night.
0: Yeah, I'm just curious how like what role you play. In an
1: episode. <laughs> so the so, yeah, so I don't play the role on uh, on all episodes. Okay. Um, I but I do make the thumbnails for all of them. So the okay. YouTube thumbnails and the ones that you, they use on the. Uh, on the website, I make those. Okay. Um. So I would I, I get a call, you know, like or like we right now we're using you know a communication app, and then I just I, I'm told like this is the title, and then I just make the thumbnail. Uh, I go every couple weeks, sometimes a couple times a week, to the studio okay. to just fix the lighting because sometimes gets moved. Sometimes we have two people, sometimes one, so we have we have to move stuff. Uh-huh. um and um and 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 then also i'm involved like you like you mentioned in co-hosting some mm-hmm. episodes so yeah. usually when it has to do with lgbt topics uh i'll i i cover those or if there's a topic that i'm interested in i usually can i, I ask john hey can i be on this one and then i i, I can co-host that one um there's also S- uh, some episodes mo I would say most of the episodes I'm in I help plan from scratch so like I come up with the topic the idea I contact the speakers or whoever is going to be presenting I make sure everything is like set up and then John just goes through our slides our presentation or our outline and and then we we we, we record the episode um
0: so how much research and or prep goes into doing it? Like how many hours do you prep for an episode, you and John, when you're going to do a co Yeah, it
1: depends. Uh, I think for, so there was one, the Mormon inoc- that we did, it was called the Mormon inoculation. I put in about probably like five to eight hours on preparing that one because I have to go through the slides communication with the with the people that are going to be in it um the one that we did with uh about elder oaks you know being in the university of virginia Mm -hmm. that one i put in a lot more out i think that's the one that i put the most hours Mm -hmm. because i had to go through through the entire speech of elder oaks take out the time codes decide which time codes we're going to use coordinate all the people that were going to be in the episode (laughs) <laughs> and, and making sure that everyone knows what we're talking about, which time codes i decided, like running it through them, editing the time codes and stuff like, and and then listening to also the behind, like, you know, the other part that was uh, recorded um, of Elder Oaks Q&A and deciding which parts were like the ordering which we where we're going to present it, what what we're going to focus on. And John will go in and just look at the slides and give me feedback and say, hey, I don't think we should go this route. We should go, we should do this. I sometimes I push back and say, no, I think we should really do this and this is why. And, and we end up reaching an agreement. And yeah, so that's kind of like how how things go mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I now you ask about how is it working with John? Like you know, before meeting John and he was like, you know, like, I think like how many people see him, like, I mean, you either see him as like a demigod or like as, you know, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> and and for me, he was like a demigod, but just knowing him, he's just like a normal person. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I get really uncomfortable when people try to prop him as like, you know, like this, you know, just like Jesus figure. Because I don't think he I if he's human, we're all human. I make mistakes all the time. He makes mistakes. Um and um but but I I I also but I also recognize like most of the times, like on my dealings with him, that I'm a lot more a lot younger than him. So he might have, you know, more wisdom or, or more experience than me, so that goes. That I consider a lot that on our conversations, or decision making, um, and Kara started getting involved uh, after I was already involved, um, and so so now Kara does a lot more than I than uh, th- so mostly when I'm involved in is like usually for an episode that I'm, I'm gonna be in or a thumbnail or the video background kind of stuff okay and so yeah going back to like john uh, working with john um yeah i mean he he has his flaws he's he um sometimes he has a lot of ideas but not enough time to mm. put them together he wants to do all these interviews he contacts usually like people about interviews and he doesn't have time to get back to them. Oh, he forgets. And there's like something like them, Peggy Fletcher Stack wants to do a piece on on the Open Stories Foundation. And there's something more important like for him that he feels like he really needs to cover. And, you know, and the other things are put in in the background. Like, I'll tell you like right now, um, there's an episode that I've been wanting to do uh, that I've been coordinating with this person to do. And and then he just hasn't had time, you know, to like to like schedule it yet. So and it I mean I, I don't get mad. Like he's, he's working, he's like crazy working. So is it takes it takes, I think, a certain personality uh to to I mean I'm not saying like I'm the only personality or Kara is the only personality that can can work with him, but definitely I can see how there's other personalities of people that just wouldn't be able to put up with it or, yes. or because of their ideas or preconception of John being like, yeah. you know, they, my God, like, yeah, he just comes down from great. He comes down from grace for him, for them. And
0: yeah. I'll tell you, I saw that it manifest itself when I had lunch with John and it was like, man, he's just a regular person. You know, I, that's how I've been engaging him is just a regular, you know, a fellow image bearer or somebody that I just, you know, want to just talk to and have conversations with. And I will tell you, you know, when I had lunch with him, I, I was sitting watching him last night and, and, and he was very animated. And I said, you know, I was, I had Mormon stories in front of me, a Mormon story is an episode in front of me uh, at the dinner table. Cause he had that, he brings yeah. that same intensity <laughs> to the table. Yes. And, and so yes. I thought, you know, if, if, if you're a very sensitive person, or if you're easily offended, I can see how he could rub you the wrong way. Okay. Yeah. And then, I see how, like, I know this kind of personality he has. It's a very intense type. I mean, I've, I've dealt with type A personalities and all these type of people throughout, you know, I was involved in politics. So I know this kind of person. People you don't understand, he is a very busy guy and he really is passionate about what he's doing. I'll tell you, there are some people who have told, told me terrible things about him. I mean, it's like they, they can't stand the guy. And a lot of them say, well, he, mm-hmm. he promised me this or this betrayal he sometimes just gets too involved in things, you know, he gets in yeah. too many things, you know? So yeah. I think cut the guy I mean, a little he, slack.
1: It, yeah. There's something, and he admits, he's always saying like, I'm a terrible manager. Like if there's this thing that you want to do, like you guys have to manage it yourselves. Cause I, I don't know how to manage things. I I'm like, I, you know, and he's always saying that. And I think he's open about his flaws, at least to us. And like, so again, I don't, I, I could get frustrated at times and stuff, but it's part, you know, I, it's part of uh, the, the experience of working for uh, an organ any organization.
0: Yep, that's right. Um, that's right. And I, and I, you know, I just, I've had enough interactions with John that like, if he doesn't return a text, or if he doesn't return an email, I don't take it personally, <laughs> but I, there are a lot of people that do take yeah. it personally. You know, so yeah. I think it's just a combination of all those traits that people think maybe they're getting blown off by him. And I don't think that's necessarily the case all the time that that's what's happening. Yeah. So I just say, let's just try to practice a little more grace and patience and understanding towards our, our fellow, uh, our fellow man and, and women. So, um, Oh, if I if somebody walks into the studio of Mormon Stories, what would their be impression be? I mean, is it state of the art? Is it nice? Is it does it? I mean, just t- tell us a little bit about the, about the studio and its layout. Uh,
1: so um, so the the studio is in this like the building is a little bit older, so uh, it's it's like this offices building. So I, I think there's lawyers in the building and stuff, and maybe a dentist. I don't know. But then you go into like you know find the door and then you enter and 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 the first thing that you see is the the main studio where he records with people face to face, and that's kind of like my whole setup that I, I I did for him. He used to use all that space for his well initially for his uh, faith crisis retreats, but when COVID hit he said, you know, we're not going to be doing any of those retreats so we can use the space for for the studio. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what we, that, so that's where people are going to see, you know, it's, it's messy. There's cables everywhere. (laughs) Um, (laughs) there, there might be a a bag of chips, like on the floor or something. Uh, and, (laughs) and, but we try to keep it as clean as we can when people are coming over. Um, at, at least that, that, Kara does a great job with that uh, and John does a great job too um because I'm not there the whole time, like they are mm-hmm. um and and then uh uh at the back of, of the room uh, to the left, that's where the the studio is set up for him to do the live videos on the computer where he's like by himself recently he's adapted it to have Kara or someone else uh on it too mm-hmm. um i Hopefully he doesn't hate me for saying this. I, I told him this, I, I don't love that setup of having two people right next to each other the whole time on camera, but uh, he likes it. So <laughs> he, he's he gone away with it. So it, it's it, I, I, I haven't really been able to come up with a better solution
0: for that, so. So, wow. Well, I appreciate you giving us a little bit behind the scenes. Uh, You know, there's so many people that watch the program and they just imagine, what is it? You know, and of course, (laughs) when you're producing something, you're always it's the magic of creating an illusion, if you will, of things. And uh, and so it's like I used to be I'm a Cubs fan and a lot of people watch the Chicago Cubs on television and they often they'd watch the games. They see this beautiful ballpark. And then when they get there. It wasn't quite as majestic as they thought it would be, <laughs> because they, was, but because of the way they shot the the, the ballpark and stuff like that. So I, I just thought, yeah, I thought, well, I got to hear a little bit about the background, those, the nuts and bolts that maybe isn't discussed a lot about. Um, yeah. Well, I know we're we're running uh, tight on your time, and it's actually ten fifteen on the East Coast here. So uh, I, I wow. just want to um, thank you so much for coming onto my program. Yeah. Um we didn't get to everything we wanted to get to. I wanted to get to that that book of Abraham thing uh, that you wanted to talk about. And maybe we, maybe we can have you back on and we could talk about that sometime. Um, sure. And, um, but I just want to thank you for coming on. And I just want to ask you, do you have any like final words that you would like to impart to my audience? Um. No, not, not really. Uh, but I,
1: because, you know, you have a very broad audience. So it's hard for me to like, just, give a message you know like when i'm doing an lgbt episode on on mormon stories like i can direct it to the you know the audience but um but no just um probably just saying like uh yeah i I mean from the for for the last part that we're we're talking about just about the last part we're talking about about john i mean john mormon stories is it's just held by real people it's just being done by real people uh who have flaws and mistakes and um, and yeah, I, I think uh, the uh, something that that John always says that uh, I try to implement in my life um, a little bit. Not because I hold him as a guru or anything, but I just think it's it's wise what he said about that phrase specifically. He said, "When we know better, we do better." So,
0: yeah, oh, that's a wise sage advice there. That's awesome. Well, uh, thanks again, dude. I really appreciate you coming on. This was great. And, uh, you know, it's just great building these relationships with people and talking to the full spectrum of the restoration you know, if you saw what channels people watch, it goes from Mormon stories to Midnight Mormons and everything in between. (laughs) And so, uh, and it's a real blessing. Uh, And I'm going to have somebody from Midnight Mormons on soon too, as well. So I'm talking to everybody folks. So like, I'm not taking any sides. I just want us to be fair and balanced. And I kind of want to be a referee and just, or the umpire and call balls and strikes, if you will, and not try to take any sides in this whole thing. Um, so either way, I just want to, uh, Remind my audience to like and subscribe and don't forget to hit the notification button uh, so you'll be informed when a new episode comes out. Folks, we're entering the holiday season. Uh, Be careful. Use common sense. Uh, Just enjoy this holiday season. And, uh, you know, we're uh, in the Christian world. We celebrate the birth of our Savior. Uh, Thanks again, once again, for coming on to our program and you all have yourself a great day.